Welcome into the final third shift podcast of Nebraska's 2019 football season. The Huskers lost on Friday night, 27-24, to the Iowa Hawkeyes in a scenario or finish that was eerily similar to Nebraska's 2018 loss, uh, which featured the Huskers with a big second half comeback, tying the game up only to see Nate Stanley lead, lead a drive down the field with just seconds remaining, setting up for a field goal kick to put the Hawkeyes in front for good. And the Huskers fall to 5-7, and seven, barring a very unlikely series of events that could result in teams that are 5-7 and seven playing in bowl games. It appears Nebraska's season is over. Gentlemen, what, where do you want to begin with this one? A lot happened in this game. It was a strange game that was emblematic of Nebraska's 2019 season, which featured some puzzling decisions, some uh, odd plays, some fortunate breaks, some bad plays, and some key moments. Where do we want to go with this one? Uh, might as well start at the ending. I mean, um, with a minute left in the game, you're standing on the sideline and you're thinking, well, at the worst case scenario, this game's going to overtime. I mean, Nebraska was in the command seat and it looked like it was going to be a third and five. Uh, then the penalty on Mike Williams, which was his second really costly penalty of this season for Nebraska, sets him back second and 20. And at that point, I'm thinking, okay, down and distance is bad. Get out of dodge. Run the ball. Uh, stay in bounds and go to overtime. Cut your losses. And uh, obviously, Martinez ran out of bounds. And then I just I don't know. It's just something with this team. You get that feeling like oh they let they you shouldn't be scared that Iowa is going to drive from their own twenty six into field goal range with thirty seconds left. And yet I totally ex- expected it. And sure enough, a twenty two yard pass and another twenty two yard pass. And as good as Nebraska's defense played for the last three quarters, uh, just just gave up way too, way too easy of a pitching catch there on that uh, pass to the tight end that set up the field goal. It was interesting in that, that kind of exchange on, on Nebraska's last offensive possession, how quickly things really kind of changed um, from, you know, we, we've only got, what, 30 yards to go um, until you – you know, maybe get a, a wall dock field goal, att- field goal attempt to, okay, you know, we, we just need to hang on here for overtime. And even kind of felt that a little bit when Nebraska still had the ball and hadn't even uh, punted down there. Um, and, and that's been the, the head scratching thing about this team for, uh, you know, the last couple of years. Um, and even, even going back before that, I mean, I, I, I was, a little surprised and, and Scott Frost mentioned this after the game that, you know, he should have probably taken a timeout pulled everybody together and, and maybe had that conversation. I'm a little surprised that that didn't happen. And I, I think that probably, you know, made it more difficult to, to kind of have everybody on the same page because obviously uh, they weren't on those final couple plays. Yeah, it is really sort of interesting that they, they didn't seem to have cohesiveness that they needed uh, to kind of try to finish out that stretch. But that's, I mean, that's indicative of this team over the last couple of years, regardless of whether it's just staff or with Mike Riley. Um, they found ways to lose games more often than they found ways to win games. They've made dumb penalties in bad situations. They've made dumb decisions in bad situations. The football IQ on this team is not something we probably discuss enough, but it doesn't seem like it's particularly strong. I mean, this isn't even the end of the game. 
But Nebraska's strategy the last couple of weeks have been to kick it high and to kick it short on kickoffs. And then bizarrely, following the pick six from Cam Taylor that seemingly gave Nebraska life, they had a low line drive kick to the 10-yard line that Iowa easily returned into a touchdown. Like, it just – it seems like they are incapable to of even making rationally smart decisions. And it's inexplicable as to why this happens as often as it does. But despite all of that, Nebraska put themselves in position with three minutes and 20 seconds to go in the game to go win it. And – that's what you wanted coming into this was that opportunity to do it. They came up short. Uh, I thought, you know, the defense really played well beyond the first, what, four possessions for Iowa resulted in two massively long touchdowns on offense. And then after that, it was uh, a pretty quiet game for the Hawkeyes. But it just, again, you know, it went back to the beginning of the year. The defense plays well. The offense isn't anywhere to be found. Today, the defense plays well. Nebraska's offense Whatever the game plan was, it did not work. Uh, they scratched and clawed, found their way to 24 points. But there's just so much that happened in this game that that fits this team in 2019. Yeah, they had uh, Nebraska gave up, I think it was 192 yards on the first 20 plays, and they ended up only giving up 324. So after those first 20 plays, it basically changed when Stilly – uh, came through and he disrupted that play for about a 10-yard loss when it was, uh, I think, 14-3. to And then Nebraska had a couple good plays after that, and they really fed off that. And they did a lot of good things on the defensive side of the ball in this game after the, after the rough start. And I guess if you want to look at it positively, um, they, they were an out, outgun team, I think, in some respects today with some of the, you know, Wandell Robinson obviously wasn't 100%. And Nebraska's like four or five playmakers short on offense of what they, even close to what they want to be. And you have a first round, you know, draft pick on the other side of the ball in Epineza, and he, what, he has 14 tackles, four and a half TFLs, two sacks. All that happens, and it's a tie game, and you have the ball at midfield with a minute left. It's, it's actually kind of... Uh, an upset when you kind of put that all together that they're in that position. So I understand sometimes where they say, Hey, you're, we're not as far away as you guys think we are, but it's just so hard for this fan base. Cause there's basically four games that have just slipped through this team's fingers this year. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you kind of look at, you know, the, the totality of the season and we will, Oh, we will. Um, we have time. Yeah, we've, we've got time. Nebraska <laughs> is, is five and seven. Uh, they, I mean, you, you could say basically three games, uh, maybe four, where, you know, you you look just that, that typical Nebraska game where you can't get all three phases playing well or even like two playing well and one kind of, you know, playing average, uh, basically kind of playing even with the opponent. Uh, you know, that that's that's where this team is right now. That's where this program is right now. That's where it's been for a number of years. That's what the challenge is for Scott Frost and the staff is, you know, how do you how do you get past that? And, you know, Scott Frost said, you know, the momentum's a powerful thing. It's, you know, once it gets going, it's going to happen. But, you know, you, you need to, I think, this offseason, you've got two years to kind of look at of, of what you're doing at Nebraska and and really comb through and see how what and what you can do as a coaching staff with, with some of the decisions that you make in game uh, personnel wise those kinds of things uh, you know recruiting whatever to 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 get past 
that hump because it just so many times this year it felt like Nebraska was in that situation with Wisconsin where you get some momentum and then you give up a kickoff return for a touchdown. It happened again today. It's just those types of plays that you you can't make if you want to take that next step as a program. And and we saw it way too much this season. Let's address the the elephant in the season. What do you think happened to Adrian Martinez between year one and year two? I mean, there was flashes where he looked like the similar player, but for the most part, he was a very ineffective quarterback. Even the simple things like some of those throws, and I know Nebraska had a lot of a lot of short passes out into the flats, uh, swing passes, flare passes, tunnel screens. Not many of them, if any of them, really work. But it wasn't just like it was today alone. He struggled on those throws all season. He struggled going downfield at times. Some of it, I think, absolutely was the lack of receivers and the lack of options that were available to him. Um, but he was pressing. I mean, he he just did not look anything like the guy that finished the year against Iowa. I mean, that's that's what's kind of remarkable about this game here is that Nebraska is in it and they have an opportunity to win it and their quarterback didn't play well. They didn't run the ball effectively or as, as effectively as it looked like they might have been able to. Uh, J.D. Spielman had a total of, what, three catches, and only one of them went for positive yardage. So, uh, what you know, going back to Adrian, wh- what do you think happened there? And what do you think it means for Nebraska as they go into next spring with Luke McCaffrey, Noah Vedro, and Logan Smothers? The best explanation I can give, and I think Scott Frost said it, is, you know, sometimes a guy in year two, or maybe as Verdusco said it, a guy starts to try to look for perfection because he, he he's evolved in what he knows. I mean, obviously, Adrian Martinez has learned more about the position than he knew a year ago. But sometimes all that information is up there, and I think you can outthink yourself a little bit. And I think there were times on the field this year where we saw that in him, where it was indecisiveness, I'm guessing based on the idea that a lot was processing up there. And maybe last year it was just more instinctual, you know? It's kind of like... The old see ball, get ball type of mentality where you, you just have always done this your life. You know what you know and you don't worry about the rest. And I think some of that can help sometimes in a weird way. Uh, I do think he was injured more than we knew at points in this season. I don't know how much, but it's way more interesting in 2020 at QB than I ever would have guessed. And Luke McCaffrey is a big reason for that because uh, that kid, when he gets the football, uh, he's he's he does stuff, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna he's going to put a lot on that quarterback competition. There's there's no way he won't. It I mean it, it's I don't think it's just one thing, and I think people want you know a really easy answer of you know this is exactly what was wrong with Adrian Martinez or why he didn't make that jump that you know at the start of the season the, this coaching staff was expecting him to make and talked about a lot uh, that that media expected him to make that fans expected him to make I, I think part of it is um you know like brian said you know people have a year of film on you you're you're you know kind of going through it for the second time you so, so people are able to game plan against you more easily uh, you know I, I think you can outthink yourself a little bit as a staff and as a quarterback sometimes i think also you know it's, Adrian frankly missed having a guy like Stanley Morgan Jr. I mean, I think that he missed that his absence was felt much strongly this year, especially when you didn't have receivers 
progress and step up as much as you were maybe expecting or those guys needed to do. Um, and, and I agree, you know, it, today was an opportunity, I think, for Adrian to set the narrative a little bit going into the off season because, I mean, now for nine months, you're going to have the this lingering quarterback question, even if it's not a, you know, full-blown competition, but th- that question's going to be out there. And, you know, that that's something he's going to have to deal with. I think it's been a trying year for him. Uh, just in terms of, you know, maybe some injury stuff that, you know, was worse than maybe what was stated. Uh, also, you know, just the kind of being used to being the quarterback at Nebraska when, frankly, things aren't going that well for you, which is, I mean, that, that's, a, I think, another thread of it, too. Can I say one thing? When they put McCaffrey in on the last series on that play, it was a weird thought in my head. I don't know if you guys had it. It's a situation where normally if a true freshman were walking into that spot with a minute or so left, you'd be like, oh boy, you know, you kind of be expecting something maybe to go wrong. And I was more eager to see what he might do. Like I, I expected something good could happen with him out there. And uh, it's inter- this whole game and setting the narrative. I mean, McCaffrey only played like two plays there at quarterback, but his play, you know, ends up in a touchdown to Spielman, the one of them. And uh, it was a good it was a good call, and I think he was the beneficiary of that. At Iowa thought he was going to run it, and Spielman was wide open. But still, uh, that's kind of the mark he's left when he's been in games. And so that's, that's what's going to sit with people now for eight or nine months. And so uh, that, uh, it's, it's a completely different conversation than we would have guessed three months ago. What's funny is I kind of went the other way with it, thinking like, Oh, they're bringing in this this quarterback, and this is a huge situation. Nebraska's history suggests that something poor is going to happen here. Well, that's fair too. I didn't I didn't expect it to be a fifteen yard penalty uh, on what Brunt. I didn't see the play um, on what Brunt said might have been like a questionable call. Um, I mean, it's a point of emphasis now. I mean, it, it it was, you know, last year maybe they don't call that as 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 much, but I mean that's. And it was a play. It, it was away from the ball too. Like it, it was towards the end of the play. I mean, it, it was unnecessary. And it's again knowing the situation, it's discipline, it's all that stuff. Yeah. So I, I, I'll be fascinated. You know, with, with Luke, I think one thing that Nebraska has done really well is they, when he has played, they have really picked their spots when he had to throw, because I think that his progression as a passer is significantly further behind than where he is as a runner. And I think most people understand that, but I don't know if they understand just the severity of it. And so I, I, I know what he looks like when he's out there playing. And when they put him in those spots, and he had a great throw to J.D. Spillman. He had, a, he had another great throw in that Indiana game. He had a couple throws, I think, against Maryland, but he didn't have to throw a whole lot. Like He obviously looks really good in those spots, and people are going to extrapolate that to, oh, this should be the guy for the offense. I think he would have a lot of the same troubles that Adrian does. I mean, if there there aren't guys that are open downfield, you're forced to go to this horizontal passing game where your edge blocking isn't very good. The difference is maybe you could be a little bit more accurate on some of those throws, but I just – I'm very curious, you know, if if there isn't some soul searching or something that goes on with this offense, I don't know if they can run out and do the same thing next year at times. You know, I I thought they found something with Wisconsin running downhill the way that they did, and they wanted nothing to do with that at times on Friday. 
or you know today when playing Iowa. And I I don't I don't understand the reluctance to just give the ball to Dedrick Mills and let him go to work. It, it made no sense to me today. I mean, how many first downs did they waste by going backwards when they could have tried to just run forward on a simple run play? What's up? Go ahead, Brian. No, go no. ahead. I was I was saying that it has a speechless, so that's all I had to say. So go ahead with your question, bro. I mean, it, do you? I mean, this is a little bit big picture, but based on the way that anything transpired today, did it change your thinking on the way that the season ended? Kind of the trajectory of things going into the off season. I mean, what? What what was kind of your sense of the feel after the game? Because it was, I found it to be you got the young guys who are kind of talking about you know coming back, but you know you're you're asking guys for okay, what tangible progress would you point to from year one to year two? And and it was, you're getting into kind of those intangible things. You know what I mean? Like the attitude, playing for your brother, that kind of stuff. Is that kind of what you guys heard? Yeah, that was that was largely what came up. And I think it would be hard if you're a player in the moment and you get asked mm-hmm. that question, you know, what what progress would you show beyond just that one win? And I think there were points and times where it felt and looked different, uh, but they still had a lot of the same issues and the same flaws that popped up last year. And I I do believe like it, and it the thing here that makes it difficult, too, is I do think that they took a step forward in some regards. But it also felt like, at least offensively, they either took a step sideways or a step back. And I'm not entirely sure that I'm convinced that next year is going to be better uh, just because these guys will be a year older and another year in the system. I mean, there there's some glaring weaknesses on this roster that they haven't yet addressed in the 2020 recruiting class. So I, I look at it and I kind of wonder if they aren't going to be in the same sort of situation next year where you're sitting around anywhere from five to seven wins when we're having this conversation after Minnesota in 2020. I think they're closer to Iowa and Wisconsin in the trenches than they were a year ago. But mm-hmm. where the but where the worry is, is, you know, Darian Daniels is a is a grown man out there and he's gone. He had a hell of a game today. He yeah. was terrific. Against a guy that's gonna go in the top, you know, probably forty picks in the NFL draft and Tristan Wirth's He's going to be a giant loss, a giant loss. And then the Davis twins, I know they didn't always reach to the highest levels that people wanted them, but they're, they're big bodied guys who can play at this level. And so as, as much as I felt they made progress there, there's that, okay, do they take a half step back now or where does this thing sit? But all that said, I think they're making progress in that area and have good coaches up there when we're talking about the trenches. They, it's a skilled spots where I, I looked out at that roster the last few weeks and you're just like, who? there's got to be more than this, a wide receiver. You know, there's got to be, this is not what everybody envisioned where you thought, okay, they're going to come at you in waves where there are five, six, seven wide receivers who are fast and, you know, they, they just can't deal with it on the other side. It, and I think that could be coming at running back. I like what they have uh, on the way at that position, but I, I'm, I'm worried for them about their receiver spot still. I don't, I don't know uh, what immediate answers are going to come. Um, you know, Demarion Houston and Jamie Nance and some of those guys 
I thought might kind of bust through this year since they were struggling there and, and they end up redshirting. And so you don't know quite what to make of where they're at yet. And, and that position is one where, you know, we, we've talked about the, the lack of depth there and, and you're again going to have your fingers crossed to the guy like Omar Manning, you, you get him out of the junior college ranks to help you right away or else it's that group of Chase, Houston, Nance, uh, and Wandale, if they're able to move him more to wide receiver, that they're going to have to be ready to go next year right out of the gates because it, it's going to be uh, – you're going to need depth. And, and, and that's one position where I, I, I was surprised by, you know, as the season went along, how, how much it just kind of dropped off there. Yeah, I, I'm with you guys with that for sure with wide receiver. Brian made a great point with the trenches. I mean, I, I think that Greg Austin and Tony Tuioti have done a really nice job, and they've kind of reloaded their rooms a little bit. We'll see what Tony Tuioti does with the defensive line, uh, but Greg Austin certainly has added some nice pieces on the offensive line. I think the offensive line is going to look different again next year. Um, you know, guys might be in a different spot. We might finally see Matt Farniaki guard. Uh, instead of me just talking about it for an entire offseason and Nebraska playing him at right tackle for the entire season, you know, you'll have Bryce Benhart ready to go there at right tackle. And then you've got a lot of interesting pieces on the interior at guard, too. So I don't think it's a slam dunk for Bo Wilson or for Trent Hickson to return to their starting spots next year. So that, that'll that certainly be interesting what happens there. I mean, I, I think we saw progress with the defense um, at times this year, but – you know, you look at a day like today where they, they face an anemic rushing attack, and I understand that they shut them down outside of those big plays, but those big plays still happen, and those two big plays sunk them in a lot of ways. I mean, it, it, it allowed Iowa to play from in front. It allowed Iowa to play like Iowa, and it forced Nebraska to use everything it had to catch back up, and then Iowa was able to finish it off in the end. Anything else? Did we cover it? <laughs> I, I I think we hit on it. Um, were there any performances or anything notable you'd want to shout out today? Well, I, you already did, but I mean, Darian Daniels was the, the stats don't reflect it, but he was a difference maker um, compared to to maybe what Nebraska's had in the middle in the past against Iowa. Um, there, there's no doubt about that. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Dedrick Mills. I mean, Dedrick yeah. Mills had a nice, he had a nice finish to his season. I mean, it, yeah. he's gonna have he's gonna have tougher competition, I think, on the way. But uh, ninety four yards on twenty four carries. I didn't think they used him enough in the first half. It was kind of what Schaefer yep. was getting at earlier, where they they're trying to do everything on the perimeter, and their blocking on the perimeter is just not good enough. Like it, it they try those plays, and you you got to get precise blocking out there. And they kept missing that block all game long. And you're just going to, you're getting your guy lit up for four yard losses. But when they went to Mills, uh, he ran hard. I think he was a little banged up perhaps throughout that game, but he, he kept coming back. And uh, I like what that kid's made of. And uh, you, you can go to battle with guys like him. I, I think he started to prove himself to this staff and definitely the fan base at the end of this season. Yeah, I think that really, to be honest, the only thing that, that stopped Mills in the latter half of the season was the lack of usage from Nebraska. I mean, they fell in love with Wondell Robinson at times, which is understandable. He's, he's a tremendous athlete, but 
I just I, I felt like early in the season I could understand why they weren't using Mills as much. But once you lost Maurice Washington and, and Mills had turned it on after the Northern Illinois game, it, it felt like they could have used him more. Uh, and certainly today, in today's game, it, it felt like early on they were just hesitant to, to give him the ball. But we'll have plenty of time to discuss all of this, all of the different areas that Nebraska is going to have to aggressively attack, uh, what they have to do here in the offseason. All of that and more will be on Nebraska 24-7. Gentlemen, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I, I, wish, I wish we were covering a bowl game uh, for this fan base's sake, but uh, alas, three years in a row uh, that we aren't. And so uh, that's where it's at right now. We quickly turn the page from uh, Iowa hate week to potentially uh, Creighton hate week. It's uh, basketball <laughs> season is here. Yeah. Well, we'll get into all of that and more on the Husker 24-7 podcast, which will be coming at you sometime next week.